0: I'm Brett Coleman and you're listening to the Sounds of the Loom podcast.
1: Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I am your host, Steve McPherson, and I am thrilled to welcome back Cal Williams, who's been across the pond for the last several weeks. Cal, how the heck are you? I'm
0: tired, Steve. So it
1: was not a restful vacation.
0: I need a vacation for my vacation, (laughs) for sure. A lot of entertaining, a lot of catching up with family and friends. Um, It was marvellous. It was great to catch up with so many people, obviously people I don't see very often anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Spent time with my mother and father, my my grandmother, Mm -hmm. and and as I mentioned, friends uh, that I don't see anymore. So it was really good. But the main reason I went over, Steve, was was to, to basically move my wife to the United States, she's been over. This, uh,
1: this is going to be confusing for people because you are from England. Yes, your wife is from Kansas City. Correct. And yet she, you are moving her from England. From England, yes. Okay. I know.
0: So she had a, a tremendous opportunity to do a PhD okay. uh, in chemical engineering, and um, you know she so uh, she's smart. She's insanely smart. <laughs> and I'll be Steve. I've tried so hard to understand what she's doing, <laughs> and she's explained all these little things yep. about it. And I, I'm just nowhere near as smart as her. My brain doesn't work like her. So sure. I, yeah. I just, <laughs> I love her and and I'm so proud of her, but I have no idea what's actually going on. Sure, Sorry. that's fair. Um, but no, yeah, it was tremendous. It was great to go uh, over and spend so much time with so many people. Um, we had a lot of uh, Stacey's family come over from the United States to help us move across and, and you know, pack up suitcases and all yeah, that kind sure. of stuff. So it, it's been a chaotic last sort of, Four weeks or so, but um, it, it was thoroughly enjoyable. A transatlantic move—it's tough. Yeah, that's man. tough. I've I mean, I twice now. But I don't right.
1: even like moving in the same country or the same city, much less. It's tough, mate. So
0: yeah, it's really as I said. Now this is our second time doing it. Obviously, we moved from the US to England, and right, now doing it the other way. So um, yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, look. Obviously, I, I would always say if anybody has an opportunity, a particularly an international opportunity, go and do it. Sure. But just know that <laughs> moving yeah. is a royal pain in the backside. Yeah, yeah. But hey, look, it is what it is, and uh, now we are sort of in the process of becoming settled.
1: Yes, uh, I'm disappointed you didn't bring me candy, as was promised yeah, in a know, previous episode. Yeah, I know. I know. So we've talked about this. I
0: apologise, and I I will um I will get. I know we're going to have some visitors coming here over the next couple of months. So I will instruct them right. to bring some candy for you.
1: All right. I, I got to give the item this taste test, you know, like i Absolutely, so.
0: you do. Yeah, that, that is my mistake. I hold my hands up. Yes. I apologize. Yes.
1: Uh, I'm particularly curious because I've been watching the Great British Baking Show is mm. what it's called here. The Great British Bake Off is what it's called in
0: England. Correct.
1: Which is confusing. I don't know what, why we couldn't handle the term Bake Off, it seems I, like. I don't I, understand.
0: I mean, is that not an American term I, or?
1: I feel like I understand that it's fine,
0: so. It's not exactly obscenely foreign, is it? I mean, it's.
1: No, no. It's a great show. I mean, obviously, a lot of. I'm kind of behind the curve, I think. I think a lot of people have already discovered it. It was obviously on for. I think, five or six years mm-hmm. uh, in England, yes. and now it's been picked up by Netflix, and so they have a couple seasons on Netflix with some differences, uh, a couple different co-hosts, I think, and one different judge.
0: Yeah, there was all sorts of... Um, it was very controversial, I believe. There was all sorts of bother, yeah, when, yeah. I, mean, I can't remember the chap's name, um, but he left and, and, and stayed, or, or went to Channel 4, and, and the other stayed with the BBC or whatever. Yeah. I, I can't remember, but it, yeah, it was a, it was a much bigger than it really needed to be to honest, yeah. It's a bloody... Baking show, you know. It's
1: fun though. The guy, that guy, Noel, who they got, who is from Noel Fielding, the Mighty Boosh. Yes. Which okay, yes. I didn't realize it was like I was. I watched an entire season of it, mm-hmm. and then like I realized that I had seen a sketch. I haven't watched a lot of The Mighty Boosh, but like, I there's a sketch that I think of constantly about jazz music. I don't know if you're. Familiar with it? It's a great sketch. Uh-huh. If you look up jazz trance and the Mighty Boosh on mm-hmm. YouTube, you can find it. But I was like, "That's that guy," and I, I sort of found him low-grade annoying at first. And then now that I sort of know this background, I, I it's, he's become a little more appealing. So.
0: The Mighty Boosh is fabulous. Highly recommend it if anybody uh, needs something new to watch. If it's around, No Fielding appears on a lot of panel shows in the UK, a lot of sort of comedy shows okay. and whatnot, and uh, you know, question questionnaire shows and whatnot. Sure. And he's he's fabulous. So I've sort of the last, I would say, since I've been 16 and been familiar with Noel Fielding, okay, and he's uh, he's <laughs> wonderful. But my introduction was The Mighty Boosh, and yeah. um, you know, my I watched it strangely with my mom. Sort of growing up, sure. And, you know, um, <laughs> and then my my best friend ho- at home, Carl. Um, we we all watched it, and um, yeah, it, it's 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 an interesting show. It's very very different. So if yeah. people are looking for something different, The Mighty Boosh, I recommend it.
1: Yes, the uh, what I really like about The Great British uh, Bake Off. Uh, I've sort of we've found a couple of different shows we're watching. We're also watching Big Mouth, which I highly recommend on Netflix. It's hilarious. Uh, Big Mouth is very intense. It's a lot of uh, not emotionally intense. Uh, you know, there's shows like. the Game of Thrones, which are very dark and, yep. you know, can be kind of difficult. Um, Big Mouth is, there's just so much comedy. There's so much happening. Like, it's just a constant constant jokes. Sometimes you feel a little overwhelmed by it. The Great British Bake Off is sort of, it is it pitched itself ingeniously at just the right level of you're engaged and you're interested, but you don't have to, like, catch every second so if you're you know if you're doing some work at home or you got to fold some laundry you know it's the kids have gone to bed you don't really want the whole you don't want to have to be completely engaged in it it's good to turn on and you can kind of just enjoy it and then as it gets down toward the end you get very intensely invested in some of the bakers and you're like i can't believe they sent that guy home and Hmm. uh, she shouldn't have won and things like that
0: so do you know what i've never watched a second of it
1: i'm telling you you get it check it out okay Okay. It's good. It's good. It's like, it, I think you just got to get through a season and then you'll, you'll just sort of find yourself. It's like a low grade. You're not like, oh, I got to see the next one. But there's sort of this low grade like, yeah, I'll watch that. <laughs> it's good. So I got a couple of baking related questions for you and, mm. and the people of England. Um, biscuits. What the hell is up with biscuits? They're not <laughs> what biscuits. Yeah, they are. No, they're cookies. But they're not just cookies because there's but also like uh, – there's sort of a cracker element
0: to it as yeah, well. Yeah, right. So they're not a cookie, but they're not like your biscuit either. Right. They're called biscuits everywhere else around the world, by the way. Um, well, that's
1: because of British <laughs> colonialism, so you well, want to get into that. Well,
0: yeah, let's get into that, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> into that, yeah. <laughs> that's its own problem. Yes. Um, no, it, uh, biscuits – so what we tend to do in England with biscuits, and we, we tend to have a particular one called a digestive biscuit, okay. which, again, I'll, I'll, I'll get some to bring sounds tremendously
1: over. delicious. Again, British cuisine. It, it's
0: just um, – goes with tea, right? Uh, Yeah, so what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to dunk it into your cup of tea. Mm -hmm. And um, there's nothing particularly special about them. It's just a plain cracker-like biscuit. And um, uh, yeah, uh, the the, the best thing to do is dip them in uh, in a cup of tea. So you want it a little, you want crispiness,
1: so it absorbs, this is what they hammer on all the time in the Great British Bake Off is the Mm -hmm. crisp, is the crunch. And so I guess you want that so that it stands up to a tea dunk. I yes. would imagine. Yes, but if it's too if it's too flaky or mushy, then it'll just disintegrate. It'll, it'll drop tea,
0: into so. the tea, and then everything that the world yeah. comes to an end.
1: It just it's funny because they harp on this crunch, you know, and then some people make ones that are a little less crunchy. They're like, well, it's not crunchy. I was like, I don't know, like a sort of dry, flavorless biscuit. Like live up to that standard? Doesn't yeah. seem that great. I mean, so. look,
0: I, I know it doesn't sound particularly appetizing, but honestly, if you do it, you, you, you will understand. So okay. I'll, I'll I'll get some biscuits. And bring all right it over.
1: candy biscuits. Okay, now pudding. Versus cake. Now, pudding over in England is not pudding. That what's, we think what's of here. pudding here. Pudding is like you make it and you put it in the fridge and it's like butterscotch pudding or chocolate pudding and it's just like it's a milk uh, based gelatin type dessert. Um, I, I just,
0: I, I just, pudding for me is another word for dessert.
1: Okay. That's just like the, any dessert. Yeah. Okay. I, I believe on the show it's like sort of very moist cake. Okay. is kind of their definition of it. So almost a sort of midway point between a cake and then some kind of other, uh, I don't know. Like a, a tart or something. Yeah, like that, well, or, and then they make all kinds of stuff where it's like a pudding that has, like, game in it or, like, these awesome. pies that have,
0: like, meat and and fruit. It can't which is, be a pudding if it's, if it's a... Like, unless it's an apple pie or something like that, it can't be... Yeah. That's weird. I don't know. There's some,
1: I just got a question. There's things that, there's all these pronunciations. I know we've talked about aluminium before, but like <laughs> mocha. Say the word mocha.
0: I, I say mocha. You say mocha. Okay. But I, I'm, what was it? Someone else, would they say mocha or they something? They say mocha. Okay. <laughs> Do people you know say Mocha. It sounds I like I don't think so. It sounds weird. I've, all, always, I've always known it as mocha. Okay,
1: yeah. all right. See, because because that was the thing. Is as I was watching the show, I was thinking, if I were a British person, I would say mocha. You know, like a very James Bond sort of. But then they say maca, and I'm like, it sounds weird to me. They where, also, where,
0: where, where are they from? All these people. I don't know.
1: There's 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 Welsh people and Irish people, but I think I believe that Paul Hollywood, who's like the the, the host, the sure. main yes. judge, says maca, um, which is weird. Uh, hmm. They also said the word cayenne instead of cayenne last night for the pepper so very that's
0: confused. weird yeah, i've always known it as cayenne as well okay yeah. all right that's thank strange. you so
1: i have an actual british person here yeah. betting these pronunciations that's bizarre okay all right i'm not done with england yet <laughs> zach Steffen to manchester city we're gonna catch mm. up on a bunch of things that, you know I, I got to talk i had the, the pleasure of talking to Kendra, and then i also had to talk to jamie but um we talked about some of the stuff that's happened uh, in your absence but i wanted to touch on a couple of those things mm. um Zach Steffen, making this move to Manchester City, what's your what's your your hot, hot take or takeaway on this?
0: Good, because if you're a young player, I would always recommend, if the opportunity presents itself, to go and play abroad, regardless of your nationality. Mm-hmm. But a big problem we have in England right now, Steve, is that none of our young players are playing abroad. And sure. at, the, at the moment, there seems to be um, too much comfortability with a lot of England's young players. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for... Um, young Americans going and playing, particularly when it's a club like Manchester City. The issue that Zach Stefan has with this now is, to my knowledge, the way it works, he will not be able to, at the moment, get a work permit in the UK. Right. The way to conquer that, although I don't know with Brexit, and that's another discussion which we do not need to discuss right now because it's doing my nutting, um, <laughs> um, he, he, the, the way to solve it previously was you go and play in Europe right. and you get um, a European-slash-UK work permit. So, Is it easier to get a European work permit? Is that the... I don't know. Okay. I, I, I've no idea. The way that,
1: if you haven't gotten a UK one, you go to Europe. You go to Europe well, to get okay. a
0: European work permit, but it, it's also a European slash UK. But sure. hence why I said I don't know what's going to happen now Brexit, right. as of March 29th. Um, so I, I saw somebody, I think it might have been Portenario, reporting that he might just go back on loan to Columbus. Which is hilarious to me. I I just don't, I don't see the point. Yeah. Go, go, I mean, look, I get he's going to play games and whatnot, but... What's the point? Go and play in Holland, or even go and play in. you know, I've said this to you before. I don't think leagues like the Danish Super League or, or Swedish or Svenska th- those leagues aren't as good as Major League Soccer, but it would be a different experience for a young goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. Having said that though, I'm always of this opinion. If you are a young American and you've got an opportunity to go to Europe, you, you, and you're thinking you want to play or at least you're in the mindset that in the future you will play, you have to go to some of the top leagues. You can't go and play in Denmark or Sweden or any sort of leagues like this, Norway, whatever. You you go and you play in either England, France, Germany, Spain, Spain Italy. Yeah. Okay. And so somebody suggested that Zach Steffen would go out on loan to Girona which is uh, Manchester City's, one of Manchester City's parent clubs in La Liga. Okay. And people were saying, well, you know, they're towards the bottom end of La Liga. I don't really think it'd be a good move. Go. Go and play and have a different experience. Yeah. But also go and have a different life experience <coughs> as well. Grow as a human being. Sure. So I, I like it. And let's not forget, over the last couple of years now, Major League Soccer has sold players to Manchester City, Bayern Munich and Chelsea. Mm-hmm. People are watching this league. Yeah. And it's becoming that league. I saw Don Garber say, and he's reluctantly um, said this, I reckon, because for so many years he didn't say this, that this league can be a selling league. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's a bad league. Right. It just means you're catching up with everybody else. Yeah. So I think um, Zach Steffen going to Manchester City is, is a good move for him. W- whether he plays for Manchester City or not, we, we'll have to wait and see. But go out on loan in Europe, play, develop as a player, develop as a human being. <laughs> And I think we're all the same opinion about Zach Steffen, aren't we? He's more than likely going to be the U.S. goalkeeper now, moving right. moving forward for the next ten years or so. Yes. So this is a vital stage in his career. He needs to be playing. So go out on loan, play in Europe, and develop.
1: Yeah, yeah. The um, the the selling league. A couple points about this. The, the selling league thing is interesting to me, and I think we've we've talked about it before, but. It, if MLS is, you know really does develop this ability to you know get young talented players you know you look at your Almarones or yep. um, you know uh, <laughs> whatever <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, Gonzalez can I say that oh Gonzalez Martinez Martinez. who's coming in is coming in um, Martinez you know he he was in Syria before this, right? And he was—is that right? I think which, Martinez. Which team is he talking about? No, no, no. Sorry, Martinez, Joseph Martinez.
0: Yes, he was okay. in Syria. Yes, right. Correct. So,
1: but he got the opportunity here to really shine, right? Yes. And that raises his stock. If this is if this is the direction um, that Major League Soccer is going, it's going to require a, a somewhat different kind of fandom than U- U.S. fans are used to. Mm-hmm. I think, um, which is this idea of building, you know, a perennial championship team. Um, With this cast of people, like a dynasty, Mm -hmm. right? You think about like Kobe and Shaq repeating as with the Lakers, Michael Jordan with the Bulls, Tom Brady and the Patriots, like this sort of the Warriors right now in the NBA, building this like this is the 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 dynamo that destroys you know the league every year. Sure, that's not really what I think a selling league is going to be about. I mean, we'll see what happens with Atlanta. We're gonna I'm gonna touch on that later, but. Um, But I think it can be a very compelling kind of fandom because, in some ways, it's a little more like. I think we're used to it in the NCAA. I was just about to say. It's college sports. is kind of that. Because it's like what you become a fan of is the program and Mm -hmm. the coach. Yep. um, Sort of. Something a little more uh, metaphysical than the players, uh, because you appreciate the players who are there, but they're going to be there for two, three, sure. you know, years mm-hmm. um, before they move on, and so uh, and so. I think that's it, it's an interesting concept, and I think it's a thing that, again, because of the NCAA, I think that fans in the US can get behind it. But it's understanding that what you're going to have are teams that, if you get a, a really good player, you can enjoy them. For a certain period of time, then they're going to move on. But ideally, that gives you the the ability to then get other players. Yes. Um, and you already see with Atlanta, I think that what happens is that it 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 builds on itself. Mm-hmm. I think that's different in the in in other major leagues like you know the NBA and stuff like that. Is succeeding with one draft pick, like you get you hit the the lottery, you get a draft pick. He's really good. Doesn't necessarily I mean, there's like teams like the Lakers who have a a reputation for doing well with with players or having showtime or whatever like Mm -hmm. that. But it doesn't build a reputation within the franchise of, you know, what to do with these with players. Um, I think with Atlanta, we're already seeing that, like, players are going to be looking at that team going, you know what? They've done really well Mm -hmm. by Miguel and Joseph. I'm not going to say. His last name, um, <laughs> anybody's last name. They've done really well with those guys. I want to go there because that'll raise my profile. Yep. You know, and that it just—I think it just it may require a little bit of a frame shift for some fans, but I think it can be—I think it can be a very positive thing.
0: I completely agree, Steve. And look, so obviously with me being back in the UK the last couple of weeks, um, made the MLS Cup was on at one o'clock in the morning, I think, in, in the UK. Um, so I I saw snippets of it, mm-hmm. and then I watched the game the day after. What I will say is, what a tremendous advertisement for Major League Soccer because it was all over Sky Sports, yeah, all over the place. The highlights were consistently being played. What I loved about it then was the the anchor, the host would then say, and Atlanta United have further built their credentials by adding Pitti Martinez from River Place, and for me, it, it, it was just such a tremendous sign of growth in the league that <laughs> this this lad, Martinez, has just won the Copa Libertadores, mm-hmm. the most prestigious trophy in South America, one of the most prestigious trophies in the world, and he's coming to Major League Soccer. He's coming to Atlanta. How, how can people not enjoy this? How can people not like this? This is, yeah. again, another step up this ladder that we are continually climbing in Major League Soccer. So many people that I would talk to about MLS back in England, all, all they could say was, yeah, it's growing, isn't it? It's really growing. It's really and, and obviously now the games are on Sky Sports. They have been for the last few years. Mm-hmm. It's got more eyeballs on it now than it ever has done before. Mm-hmm. And it's the right time to have eyeballs on this league, especially when you've got 70,000 people watching mm-hmm. MLS Cup. And then the TV rating was obviously huge as well Yeah, in, in the US. I don't know what it was like worldwide, but I'm assuming if you're watching... A game with seventy thousand fans, or, or in any stadium, it doesn't matter the capacity. If it's a full stadium, mm-hmm. it's more compelling to watch it, isn't it? You are drawn to it naturally yeah, for more. Sure. For sure, but having seventy thousand people really helped, yeah. and it was a tremendous advertisement for the league.
1: Yeah, I think that. I mean, I think that there's a lot that Atlanta shows that there's more than there's more than one way to be a soccer team. Mm-hmm. You know, in in, in MLS, um, and I think that. <clears throat> I mean, you know, I think that there was a, there was a host of articles that came out after after Atlanta saying after Atlanta won, saying that like this has raised the bar. Um, I agree. Which, in some sense, I agree. In another sense, though, I'm like, that's not a bar that you're gonna be able to expect everybody to like. Atlanta is basically the only team that can that can clear that bar right now. Are they? In terms of in terms of um, resources and the intelligence to use those resources well, I think. I think they've shown themselves to right now be
0: unmatched in those two areas. But you also have owners in this league that are also billionaires. Yes. So, I mean, look, Arthur Blank has put his hand in his pocket. He knows. He wants to win straight away. Yeah. But why can't the Crafts and the Revs? why can't they do what
1: Atlanta have done? I mean, I don't know about their particular... I mean, sure, okay. I am saying based on... Like I'm looking at LA Galaxy, which has spent a lot of money, sure. but has not done as well in terms of what they, how smart they've been with that money. I think
0: right. Um, okay.
1: And then there's other teams. Maybe they have a lot of money, but they haven't spent it. I mean, obviously they, they could.
0: You need to spend the money well, no doubt.
1: Yeah. Yes, there's a lot of smart teams. I mean, is one of the things is that like I think you look at SKC, you look at Portland, yeah. you look at Red Bulls. You know, like they they don't have um, the same kind of spending power, mm-hmm. but they are very smart and they're very good I think it's just my, my point is that there's more than one way to be a team you know you can be a Portland and say we have you know our stadium seats 20,000 ish you know it's expanding but um, it's a downtown stadium the 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 culture around it is very strong and it's it's very deep yes. and generational Uh and that, is, and that is a fantastic way to in, enjoy soccer. Mm-hmm. But I think that sometimes we get caught to this thing of like, that's the way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of different ways to do it. And I think we can appreciate the different ways that different teams do it. And I think Atlanta's, I mean, they have fireworks. They have mm-hmm. like bombast. They have 70 plus thousand people at games. You know, that's, that's, a, that's another way to do it. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm not here to say what's, What's good and what's bad about different ways of approaching it I just I just think that I like that there are I think there are different ways to to have teams be good teams um, in MLS
0: I, I agree I, I agree with your point there, but I do think what Atlanta have done is they have raised the bar and they have set the standards because now and I agree not everyone is going to spend the way that they do but it, it does show that you have to you have to spend money wisely in this league yeah. to succeed. Yeah. Like, like any league in the world. I think Atlanta... Uh, uh, honestly, see, for me, Atlanta have, have, have now set the bar. I think they're, um, they're, they're tremendous in the way that they do things. Not not only with the players they've bought in, but the training facility as well, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, you know. Um, what it does, and what it will do, is it'll force others to spend, because that's the only way they're going to be able to compete. And spend wisely. Yeah. So uh, look, I'm interested to see what happens in 2019 um, in Major League Soccer. But I think what you'll see, and, and it's not only just because Atlanta are doing it now, because this has been a slowly growing trend in, in Major League Soccer over the last six years, I would say. Mm-hmm. You're starting to see actual transfer fees being paid internationally. Sure. That's going to happen more and more over the next couple of years, and we're slowly seeing those numbers gradually rising as well, and, and mm-hmm. the people, teams are spending more money on the international stage, which is good, because again, that puts MLS on the international stage as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Are we going to break news right now? Okay. I've, I've just, we've just been handed breaking news, which is very exciting, mm. uh, uh, from our friend Tyson Hill, which is that uh, single elimination playoff structure is being announced today for MLS. Okay. So... You do, you, I, I, th- I'm giving you this hot. I'm ladling this hot directly into your bowl for you to let me know what you think about single elimination playoff structure.
0: Well, look, we, I think we were all informed, weren't we, a couple of weeks ago that this was a real yeah, thing. Yeah, could happen. talked yes. about I love it. Yeah. It's the Wild West, isn't it? Yeah. It just makes everything else so much more exciting. So yeah. um, I, I think this, this adds more to the postseason excitement the, the the biggest thing for me as well, Steve, was was doing the season, um, c- cutting the season short. I, I think is 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 really intriguing because, in my opinion, you, you lost so much momentum in the playoffs with that international break. You ain't going to change that international break. It's a FIFA date. You mm-hmm. you can't change it. Nobody around the world will change it. So. I like this. What it means is that there's going to be a few more Wednesday night games. There's going to be a few more sure. travel. So so the only issue I have with this, Steve, and I was talking to a good friend of mine about this yesterday, the only issue I have with it now is that I think the league should perhaps increase the salary cap or they should add a bit more TAM because if you are doing all these Wednesday night games, travelling and whatnot and, and, and condensing the season, I think you're gonna, you're going to have to use your squad players. Right a little more frequently than, than you would have before. More, so more depth is, right. yeah. so I, I think the salary cap should be increased slightly or they should add a little more tan. Um, maybe they will, I, I don't know, but look, ultimately I think this is a good thing for competition. I'm really excited to see it.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of reading through the press release right now, so uh, I'm, catching up. I'm catching up on it.
0: Um, Re- Read us the most intriguing bits.
1: Uh, so the the uh, the Audi MLS Cup playoffs will consist of 13 single elimination matches following a straight bracket format. So it'll be a bracket, which yes, people yes. in the U.S. understand because of March Madness. <laughs> um, Higher seeded teams will enjoy home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Um, the number of playoff teams is set for future growth, possibly to 14, it mm-hmm. looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, the top seeds will receive a buy, a first
0: round buy. Okay. Um, the okay. top top seeds is in the top two conference. The, the, the sports shield winner and have a finishes top. The number one
1: team in each conference will right.
0: receive a first round. Okay.
1: Um, it, their their hope is this means that there's a greater amount of recovery time between the regular season and the postseason because they can shorten the postseason. You know, the, the postseason will not be as long. Sure. Um, and then the better playoff weather, which is going to be huge. Yes. Uh, because we're already looking at the fact of how late the season is going into December. So this means it'll end in early November. Um, and prior to uh, the world cup, you know, it, it'll help with the international um, stuff around that. Uh, I personally, I like the idea. Um, I think that MLS is always, you know, it's always sort of, it's a little difficult because you're bringing, we know there were initial things that, that, that MLS did where it tried to Americanize the game, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't work so well. Um And so I think it moved in a direction of trying to bring as much as possible from the international game Mm -hmm. and trying to adhere as closely as possible to the way things are done. Um, But I think it's smart along the way to question like what fits. And I think that the the two-leg series, while it's interesting in some ways, Mm -hmm. is such a different animal. I mean, you know, I I know they have it. I know it happens in the Champions League and things like that. But a two-leg to, like, competitions and things like the FA Cup, right, or something like that, where it's one country where the farthest away you're going is a couple hours, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like the the fact of, like... I think a single game elimination works in a country the size of the United States. Mm-hmm. It rewards teams that are higher seeds. Mm-hmm. It makes the, the the regular season mean more because that home we know how big that home field advantage is in MLS you know so if you have that home field advantage that's going to matter a lot
0: And this is a thing as well sorry to interrupt you Steve this is a thing as well for me when you uh, for, for those who, who came in in the knockout rounds they were then forced to host. Early, Right. How is that an advantage for them? Because also you've got, your sales team have got three days to sell out a stadium. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so for me, home advantage, 99% of the time comes down to the crowd. Yeah. And the intimidation that they cause and blah, 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 blah. Right. So... This new system, this new format, I think helps that massively. I like yeah, it a lot. It's yeah, good.
1: and the, the we t- we, t- we talked about this in the office a bit around the playoffs that um, the the home and away goal thing in the two leg format created some real odd situations that we saw where it's like you know the the higher seeded team has the second game at home, mm-hmm. right? The thinking being that's sort of the way that. That works in most series. If you have a seven-game series in the NBA, the last game is going to be played at home uh-huh. yep. in front of the in f- for the for the top seed, the, the better seeded opponent. Um, but with away goals being worth more, you saw that with Atlanta and and Red Bulls. Like with Atlanta jumping out um, early, it was just going to be very difficult for Red Bulls to make up that difference at home. Yes. Um, When Red Bulls, when Atlanta's scoring a goal or two, like that increases their lead massively. Um, So then it began to feel like, well, that's not really an advantage at all to get the second game at home um, in this situation like that. So I think. I mean, I presume that there's not going to be an away home goal situation if you go to single elimination.
0: I, I guess, <laughs> um,
1: yeah. So it basically is just who wins that game, you know? And I think that, that there's, there's a simplicity there. Um, there's expediency, there's stakes. This is always the thing is that one of the things that makes the beginning of March Madness so exciting mm-hmm. is that because the teams in the NCAA are so close now, especially... Upsets, you know, what looks like an upset is different than what it was 20 years ago or something mm-hmm. like that. But you get those, those low seeds upsetting a high seed. It's winner-take-all. It's very exciting. Um, it happens in football, obviously, since there are playoffs for all single games. Um, you know, in basketball, I like the series battle. I think I think for that it works better. But I think it's smart of MLS to go and look and say, like, what makes sense for us? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's to take a little bit of a page from something like the NCAA tournament, and um, and go away from a two leg yeah. situation is probably good overall.
0: I agree. I I can't wait. It's it's going to be really really exciting. For yeah. Major league soccer. It's. Uh, I think this is the right way to go. Yeah. Sure. All
1: right. Uh, let's talk about uh, FC Cincinnati, mm. who are coming to the league this season. Yep. Uh, we obviously we had they had their expansion draft. Yes. Um, their, their sort of biggest acquisitions so far have been Greg Garza, who they, they got from Atlanta, went in a trade. In a trade?
0: Yes. Yes, allocation money went Yes,
1: back. right. Okay. Sometimes it's confusing to remember what was picked and then they, got, they get flipped. Uh, and then Kendall Waston. Um, Waston? Boston. Waston. <laughs> Waston. Waston. <laughs> <laughs> Kendall Waston. Um, Maka. Uh, Kendall <laughs> Waston. Um, it seems like they're leaning into the defense there.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, Waston is a really good signing for them. Yeah. He's an expensive one, no doubt. But yeah. look, sometimes you have to do this when you come into the league. And Gaza, they, they spent a lot of money on him um, for an MLS player. I, mm-hmm. I, I I was having this conversation with somebody a while ago. I think on the European market, he's probably worth about two, three million dollars. But with the way the allocation money works in this league, Tam and Gam, I, I think they've, they've spent a lot of money on him because he had a fairly significant amount of time out injured last season. So mm-hmm. if he stays fit, I think it's a, a really good signing. He's right. one of the best left backs in the league. I, I mean, look, are they, are they going to go and sign Arvis Powell? People have suggested that's going to happen at some stage over the next few days. If they do, I think that's another good signing. But my biggest concern for, for Cincinnati is that they've, they've signed a lot of USL players, a yeah. lot of them.
1: Yeah.
0: And now I know they're just simply trying to build a roster. I get that. And you have to have depth. But if their plan is—and I can't imagine it is—but if their plan is to have a 34-year-old Justin Hoyt at right back starting in Major League Soccer, Mm -hmm. they're going to get a real shock. Yeah, I think they've invested in other areas as well. I thought the expansion draft went well for them. I like Darren Mattox for an expansion team. I think he'll get plenty of playing time. Yeah, and we saw just before Rooney came on board at DC, he was DC's main man up front. Yeah, Um, and playing alongside a big man like Fernando Adi, I I think you know it's obvious they're going to go long they'll be very direct Mm -hmm. um, big man little man up front so I think that'll be good for them Uh, Eric Alexander was a good pick up for them because he's experienced I think it's this will be his 11th season in Major League Soccer so he'll slot into central midfield and, and be good no problem you know he won't be spectacular but he'll do the job um and then some of the USL additions that they've made, I, I think um, this, it's now or never for them if they're going to play in this league. Sure. Um, Al-Badawi has been consistently linked with Major League Soccer teams and now he's in MLS, so this will be his time to shine. Um, there's been uh, you know, a couple of others as well that I think um, it's now or never. Corbin Bone springs to mind, ex-Chicago Fire. Um, this is his last chance, I think, to play in Major League Soccer. Yeah, uh, McLaughlin, who, who was formerly a Philly as well. So... You know, um, there's a lot of players that are coming up from USL who I think have a point to prove that could be a good thing for Cincinnati, mm-hmm. but it could also be a bad thing yeah. because there's a reason, with all due respect, they were in USL before.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it'll, it's going to be interesting to me to see what FC Cincinnati does because, you know, if, if they lean into defense, you know, if they, if they try to come out conservative mostly, playing on the counter and things like that, um, I mean, it will just be interesting to see if that works um, you know, with that kind of lineup where you try to, like, pack a fair amount of, you know, to the extent to which any defenders are are stars. You know, mm-hmm. your name guys are going to be mostly in defense. Um, I was just reading that they are looking, apparently going to be signing a French fullback, Mathieu de Deplange, yes.
0: De uh, at uh, He was playing at uh, Troyes, I think, yes. in, in Ligue 1. But he's,
1: um, you know, he's their fourth fullback and their seventh sort of defensive-specific guy, um, you know, on right, the back line. Right. So that's a lot of, that's a lot of, a lot of loading up on the defense. I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. I no. mean, I think there's something to be said for the idea that you you sort of if you're gonna get if you're gonna bring in a bunch of USL guys, right, and then sign some new people, sign those people in defense, try to just hold down the fort through your first season, yes, and then you know then you start making adjustments from there. But try to yeah. start that defense like get that solid.
0: So. Yeah, and and I think sort of most expansion teams coming into this league, Steve, the early doors have to accept that. They're probably not going to have as much as the ball as they want, so I Rank. think the way that they're building it right now, as I mentioned earlier on with the players they bought in, it, it's obvious to me at the moment. If you, if you were to put an eleven together now for them, it's obvious they're going to be a very direct team. Yeah. yeah. Um, and even you know, if they have someone like uh, Ledesma even dropping behind the, the two forwards, I, I still don't see them playing this lovely little one-touch football yeah. inside. You know, I see them being very direct, which is fine if that's right. effective for them, then then great. Yeah. But um, I'm intrigued. Look, I mean, they've still got something like nine open roster spots. Yeah. So it's impossible right now to to judge how FC Cincinnati are going to look.
1: Right. All those USL signs could essentially be depth. I mean, you could essentially right. not ever see any of those guys unless something happens that gives them an opportunity. So, exactly. Um, but that, I mean, I, I think there's something to be said that point you made about the fact that. Like a possession team has to be built through chemistry, right? And when you've got to build a roster quickly, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're not going to end up with a team that can just possess the ball (laughs) and out-possess the other team. So it's smart to maybe look to play on the counter and understand you're not going to have a lot of the ball, but then look to attack. So. I mean, it's going to be interesting. You know, there's some things I, some people are talking about. Again, with the Atlanta United thing, it's like, oh, well, these new teams are going to have to follow this. And it's like, FC Cincinnati following Atlanta United's template. It's like, I don't think they're following no, the no. Atlanta United's <laughs> template. I like, it's, it's a very different template. So, um, all right, last bit of news I wanted to touch on very briefly. Um, uh, Lucci Gonzalez is succeeding Oscar Pereja at mm-hmm. FC Dallas. So he's the academy the academy director there. Um, I, I feel like that makes a lot of sense given the yeah. way that FC Dallas have built their team. Uh, he's also becomes the senkest second youngest coach in MLS at 38, 38 right now. Yeah. So, um, do you have much sense of, of Luchy Gonzalez? I mean, I certainly don't. I'm not very familiar with FC Dallas' academy other than that they've produced, you know, players who are successful for FC Dallas.
0: Um, the person to ask this would, would be Jamie because I'm, I'm sure Jamie knows oh, Lucy sure. Gonzalez having been at FC Dallas as a player. But um, first of all, Luchy Gonzalez, former Minnesota Thunder player as well. So um, well done to him. There you go. He's developed, or at least he was a part of the Dallas Academy that have delivered 23 homegrown players in Major League Soccer. So for me, this is now another indication of how FC Dallas are going to operate. They've just announced their USL affiliate as well, North Texas FC, I think it was, who I think are going to play uh, in and around Frisco area as well. Mm -hmm. So I think you're going to see a lot of lads going on loan there and playing and perhaps people called up to FC Dallas and whatnot. So, we'll, you know, Dallas have never been one of those teams to go and splash a load of cash on, on an individual. You know, they've had a couple of individuals from time to time, like I think of Javier Morales, who, who was who was spectacular for them, but they didn't really spend a lot of money on him. It, you know, wage-wise, they probably paid a little bit, but in terms of transfer fees and whatnot, that's, sure. that's not really how Dallas do things. So, again, this is just another indicator. It's an exclamation point at the end of the FC Dallas sentence. This is how they're going to operate. Obviously, he has no managerial experience in terms of Major League Soccer level, so um, I, I think it, it it may take time for him to, to get used to it. But also, it's it's a club he obviously knows very, very well. He's been there for, I think it's 11 years or something along those lines, so yeah. he knows the club very well. So, it, I know, again, it's, it's obvious to say, but it could go one or two ways, but I, I'm interested to see. I think we'll see a lot more homegrowns coming in to the FC Dallas first team, as yeah. if they haven't had enough already. Right. But I think we'll see even more over the course of the next 12 months.
1: Yeah, and it's um, – I'm always – I always like the idea of trying to get a guy at, you know, in his late 30s, early 40s, like a guy where you can say, this is the architect, mm-hmm. you know, like we – and again, he's been there for – he's already been there for more than a decade, right? But you're saying – You know, there's going to be some stumbles along the way, probably. But FC Dallas is built for that, again, with the homegrown system. It's like that's what they expect. But if it works, if it pans out, then you've got a guy who can be leading your program for – a decade plus, like two yeah, decades, yeah. you know, like you're not. This is very different, and again, it's sort of that different style. This is very different than a Tata Martino who's in for two years and then out. You're going to bring in somebody else who's could be in for two years and then out. You know, this is it's just a different approach, Um and I I, I like seeing that variety of, of of things in the
0: league. So yeah, patience is key for Dallas, I think. Um, yeah, but we'll, we'll wait and see. I mean, I, I I do enjoy this time of year, Steve, because obviously there's so many trades going around. Yeah. There's so much, so much movement, you know. And and look, what I will I I can't say much, but. Look, I mean, I think Minnesota will, will be very active. We are active at the moment. So there's people around. I know fans don't want to hear this. We, they don't want to hear that, that sentence that people have said before, we're trying. Yes. You know, but I've spoken to a lot of people, particularly over the last month in England, a lot of scouts, a lot of agents that I know. Minnesota United are popping up in a lot of conversations. So I, I think over the next month or so, uh, we could be seeing some arrivals sure and it's going to be um going to be an exciting time heading into Allianz field
1: i mean i can't say that they haven't talked to messi <laughs>
0: I'll just leave it the. The fifth at best, that. best player in the world, apparently. Right. <laughs> you, which is
1: <laughs> ludicrous. Um, Cal, it is lovely to have you back. It's good to be back, Steve. I thank mean, you very much. Kindra's great. Jamie's okay. You know, like they're fine, but you know, I have missed your lilting British
0: accents. I appreciate it, and I've missed your dulcet tones as well. Oh, thank you. You know? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> well thanks
1: for back. thanks for joining us for the 38th Sound of the Loons podcast. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating. And follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at calwilliamscom and me at steventurous. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.